So this is exciting. This is really, this is this is really really clear, and I think it's going to allow for you know the emergence, you know of and here's you know maybe our next topic, you know our next topic is 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 what what would unique self therapy look like, you know and and we're working as you know with um, um you know the board chair of CWS you know Lori Galperin and her clinical co-director, Mark Schwartz, and, you know, some really leaders in the treatment field, like really the best people written the most important, you know, essays and books, you know, about developing, and we're now empirically testing it, you know, a kind of unique self-therapeutic modality. Right. Like, you know, and how would that work? You know, and what would that mean? And, you know, I think that this would be kind of a, a key piece of the story, right, right, to be able to, you know, in a person that's relatively healthy and relatively is always always the key word for all of us, right, right. And a person that's relatively healthy, right, to be able to chart, right, you know, where am I in my level of consciousness, to actually right. see the levels of consciousness and actually bring levels of consciousness directly into the unique self-conversation as part of an actual inactive therapeutic modality. And that's right. exciting, Mega K. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, there, there's just any you know number of things um, involved in in the therapeutics of the unique self. Um, one of them is certainly um, coming face to face with with the the fundamental lie or lies that that one has got caught up with in in the course of, of one's life. And facing those and de- attempting to determine um, the particular level that they've come from, just because that helps to clarify the structure of the lie, the type of lie, when it possibly happened, uh, the relationships that probably were part of it, and so on. Um, one is identifying your gifts, what what um, talents do you seem to have, and people will most interestingly, lie about their talents uh, just as frequently as they'll lie about uh, about their negatives um, because they just, um, uh, um, Maslow called it Jonah complex. It's just we're, we're, we're afraid of our greatness. Right. As much as we are afraid, afraid of our, our negatives and our, and our smallness. And that fear of of greatness is is simply a fear of your own unique self, right? And that's a, a terrible position to be in. So, um, being able to identify, you know, one's talents and one's skills and one's um, genuine gifts depends upon having confronted um, one's shadow and 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 the fundamental lies that that you tell and have told about yourself. Um, because you have to be able to move through the lie in order to to be able to um, stand next to the light, so to speak. Um, and um, lying about greatness is is one of wow. the most sort of unspoken lies that that we have, um, but it's also one of the most common. Um, and so. Um, and then the, just the capacity to actually recognize um, what the, the, lack of a better word, what, what the feeling of the divine self is like. What, what's, what does it actually feel like to be divine? And um, the Tibetans, for example, one of the most common practices 
in Tibetan Buddhism is called yidam practice, and it's a visualization technique um, where most people have seen these images of a, a Buddha or two Buddhas in sexual congress, and they're drawn in very colorful uh, figures. And you, in this practice, you identify with the yidam. You actually visualize yourself as being this particular deity. And there are two marks of, of successful practice. One is the clarity of the visualization. Because what you're doing when you actually hold this visualization is you're doing both concentration and insight awareness simultaneously. One, you're concentrating on the form and holding that in mind without dropping it. And two, you realize that that form is empty because it's still just simply something that you're imagining. So you're, you're, you're realizing that form is emptiness and emptiness is form. So you're, you're, which is the definition of insight. Mm-hmm. But the second way that you measure success in this practice is by the feelings of divine pride that you hold. And that's the tricky one because, interestingly, what it it usually trips up is the ego. And it's odd because the ego is sort of, almost by definition, the pretender to the throne. It it thinks that it's God. It, It runs around all the time pretending that it's God. But when it's actually faced with being God, it gets embarrassed and fumbles and pulls back and doesn't really know how to say, oh, well, yes, actually, I am that I am. I am the fundamental ground of all being. And to say that without pulling back, to say that without hesitating, to say that without shyness. Um, Trump used to say that we don't... We don't try to kill the ego. We we give it everything at once, and it dies of embarrassment. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and that's essentially um, what holding divine pride is. It, in in a paradoxical way, it induces humility. Right. And so, being able to spot one's lie, being able to spot one's talents, being able to spot one's divinity, uh, are among just a, 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 a small handful of the items that that you want to work with when you're when you're working with with the the unique self and the unique self plays an important role in all of those and um all of those have been diminished by not being connected with the unique self right um because at the very least it it what it's been connected with is just um egoic capacities um and so it's some conventional self that um, is being discussed, and divinity, infinity, is being left out of the equation entirely, um, which, of course, is only the entire ground of all being right. and the ultimate source of all reality. It's a, it's a lousy thing to leave out, talk about lies. It's, um, it's a lousy thing to leave out. Yes. Um and which is instantly another fundamental lie is is that I don't have a unique self. Right. Um, and that that really 
eats deeply because um, we're brought up in a culture that, that denies it. Right. And um, allows only a finite, liberal, egoic self and denies an infinite, real self. And that's a fundamental lie. That is a, a deep and fundamental lie that then really um, affects pretty much everything it touches. Yeah. Um, yeah no. And so, so confronting lies um, is, 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 a, is a really fundamental issue. In this process, along with one's one's talents and one's gifts and particular skills and so on, that um, by definition every um, individual body mind has. Yeah, no, that, that, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, you covered seven or eight, you know, key points here, and and I want to just you know, you know, dance with you in, in a couple of them because they're all so critical. It's it's funny how in confronting lies, you know, people worry about kind of the detailed lies. You know, you didn't tell me that you were making five thousand dollars more than you are, that you were right. going out with, with with Jacqueline and Jacqueline and with you know with Sam. But you know, those lies people make people crazy. But you know, we're willing to lie as a society and as end, as individuals. But the essential nature of human dignity. You know, yeah, which is know. which is which is just kind of shocking, it and is. so so it's it just it's about confronting lies, and it's about you know the greatest lie as you framed it is that I don't have a unique self, Good. right? And, and paradoxically, that that lie is made in the name of individuality. Yeah. And in, and in a certain yeah right right I mean and in a certain sense in in our unique self teaching, what we're doing is is we're stripping away the straw man that supported that lie. Right. In other words, in other words, what supported that lie in Western culture is well, the Enlightenment teaching of the infinity of self was about a kind of no self, was about a kind of true self. Total number of true selves, as you always cite, are one, right? But that means that I'm lost, right? And and since and since this Enlightenment teaching doesn't understand, you know, that I'm actually a higher individuation, I'm actually individuated beyond ego, so we can't accept the Enlightenment teaching. What unique self does is is actually strip away, you know, that canard and actually reveal, right, that actually the great teaching of emptiness and form being one actually holds profoundly the infinite, unique dignity, right, of every person as in a reducible expression of essence. And so now there's no more place to hide. We actually get for the first time to claim not only our inalienable right, but our inalienable joy and obligation, which is, you know, that I'm a unique self, right. you know, that I'm an infinite expression, you know, unique of essence, unlike, you know, any that ever was. And then what comes online is what you describe emerging out of Tibetan Buddhism as divine pride. Exactly. And that's the divine pride. And, and really that the teaching on divine pride then becomes, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's wild, Mega K, almost every conversation, you know, that's what I, I, why I enjoy them so much, you know, is that we're just charting new ground, right? In other words, that divine pride becomes a core unique self practice. The, right. the, the Tibetan Buddhist divine pride practice and the Yidam, you know, YIDM, for those right. listening, the Yidam visualization, right, techniques become forms, you know, of actually, you know, accessing a felt experience, right, of my unique self. And although within Tibetan Buddhism, as we've talked about earlier, you know, it's not completely clear whether we're talking true self or unique self. We've tried any number of dialogues to superimpose unique self, you know, on that, you know, eternal drop, you know, that exists in those texts. But, you know, at the same time, we've affirmed unique self as an evolutionary emergent, 
But right. clearly, you know, we can from an, integra- in an integral mode, in a trans-trans-lineage path practice, we can borrow the divine pride and Yidam practices, right, and infuse them with the unique perspective, unique self-understanding, and these become then essential spiritual practices. Yeah, definitely. And again, it's, it's, there's, there's a real paradox about divine pride, and that is that in, in its wake, it, 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 it brings this, this whole atmosphere of humility. Yeah. And it, it, which is one of the, one of the real, you know, paradoxes of, about, about spirit. And, um, one of the fundamental things that, um, we sort of learn in, in Metaphysics 101 is that, uh, any statement about about spirit is going to be paradoxical, right. and not contradictory, but paradoxical. Um, the contradiction is one statement which is true, and and its its opposite is is false. And a paradox, it's we have two opposites, both of which are true, right? And um, uh, it's it's been said that a paradox is the truth standing on its head to get attention. <laughs> um, and, and and that's what that's what it has here because what has to happen for you to discover um, a divine pride is you have to discover the true and unique self and in order to do that you have to transcend the egoic self right. and the egoic self is the pretender to be divine and that doesn't fundamentally believe it. It simply pretends it. It's part of the, the lie that the ego is. It's part of its, its Atman project, where it, it, unable to attain God directly, substitutes itself for God and wanders around in that way until it's actually caught up with the desire to, well, show me this. Let me see you. Be God. Yeah. Uh, whereupon it tends to, to wither. Um, yeah. And that's what happens with, with the correct practice of divine pride is that you start to, in feeling through to this divinity, you really do start to transcend the merely separate self. Um, and that uh, opens the, the whole door of, of infinite awareness um, to uh, the self. And that's that's then just a completely uh, different world, yeah. Um, mm. And um, you know, profound to the core. Profound, you know, completely different the world and, and profound to the core. And and this idea, right, of you know what you've called the Atman project, and you know I called it pseudo eros. You know, it's, uh-huh. a, it's a kind of you know, but it's the same. It's the same basic understanding. You know, where you're not in eros, you're in pseudo eros, right? You're not actually in Atman is Brahman, you're in this Atman project in which the, the ego is pretending to the throne, or as the Sufis say, the servant is pretending to be a king, right? But, but here's the interesting thing, Mega K. In other words, if there wasn't unique self, if unique self wasn't the nature of reality, the ego would have no chance of pretending. And, and I think it's a really just, it's an important, simple, but, but powerful point. In other words, if the nature of reality was true self, if right. emptiness wasn't form, Meaning, meaning if it wasn't true that every true self has a unique perspective, which means that uniqueness is an ineradicable and irreducible part of reality, and that's actually you know, what Nagarjuna intuited and what we've unpacked through unique self in its evolutionary emergent form, you know, bringing you know, a whole bunch of postmodern insights on perspective you know, into the mix. But if it wasn't true that unique self is the nature of reality, the ego would have no chance. 
And it's the reason the ego has a chance is because the ego is hijacking the actual reality of unique self. Yeah. Right? It's pretending to be unique self. If ego was pretending to be true self, right, everyone would recognize it immediately. Ah, oh, that's, that's not true self. That's the ego. Right? But the ego is pretending to be unique self. And, and the, 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 the ego's very existence and the power of its pretending points to there being a higher order clarified version of ego, which is post-emptiness, which is unique self.